Another great episode of Red Sea Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you hear, please go to our website, redsearadio.org, and donate to our apostolate, or even become a member of our Immaculata Recurring Gift Society and keep us on the air. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Good morning and welcome to Etsy Roundup. I'm your host, Judy Como. This is a live show going on right now, reaching all the way across to Italy. And we're going to be having a wonderful conversation with Teresa Tomio discussing her book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, 10 Things My Feisty Italian-American Mom Taught Me About Living a Godly Life. Teresa is an author, syndicated Catholic talk show host, motivational speaker of more than 30 years experience. Teresa is also married to Deacon Dominic, I'm going to say Pastore, but I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation. They travel the world giving marriage and diaconate couple retreats, which I'm going to be blessed to be at in San Antonio, Texas in July, because I also am married to a deacon my husband, Deacon Keith Como. Welcome, Teresa. Well, welcome, DW, another deacon's wife. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing just great. And I'm also uh, an Ita- a feisty Italian-American mom. Um, my family. I love de- it. My family. What part of Italy? What part of Italy? Poggiarelli, Sicily. We're Sicilian. Oh, Sicily. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. The, the Sicily is beautiful. It's a beautiful place. My father was from uh, nearby there, Calabria. Oh, yeah. That's about 30 miles. I was very blessed to be there about four years ago and all of that. So uh, almost every page of this book resonates with me. Uh, Really, (laughs) really loved the introduction where they were discussing the pulling the tissue out and your rosary beads fell out. And you said it's officially happened. Uh, I would add to that if it would have been my mother it would have a pair of lips on it because she would always take that a tissue and oh, yeah. when she, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, very Italian thing absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. and so if I had two other sisters Janine and Janet we were five J's and we would Sundays would go and open the cedar chest and get the chapel veils out and we had two that were alike and one that was this kind of crown looking thing and you did not want that one. And I got stuck with it, so I left it at home, ah. got to church, and said, oh, I forgot it. And she bobby-pinned uh, a tissue on my head. So. <laughs> I remember those days. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So how's it going? Tell us about it's your— It's going great, yeah. The book came out in April, April 18th, and they've been doing a ton of interviews, and it really resonates. And I think, obviously, what you resonate with, with you because of your Italian background, but I think really anyone— who grew up uh, our age, you know, baby boomers can relate to it because our parents and grandparents had a lot of common sense that, as I say in the introduction, just isn't common anymore. Exactly. The world has gone just bonkers. And it's just every day when I do my radio show, I think, oh, it can't get it worse. Then there's something else that happens. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're still in charge. I'm just going to offer it up, as I say in the first chapter. Yeah, well, right. Every yeah. now and again, you think this is the most ludicrous thing that I could ever hear or see, and lo and behold, the very next day, something more makes you shudder happens and exactly. everything. So we, we need this uh, call of arms that 
helps us think about common sense and everything. So I've really enjoyed. Uh, I want to, since this is a live show, I want to invite our listeners to uh, call in. And you can do that if you dial 855-683-7332. And if you have a question or a comment for Teresa in this book, and I'm, if I have another copy sitting right here that I would happily hand off, and because I have more than one of them, I do that, Teresa. And oh, you're we, very generous. And we could hand off uh, another copy of this book. So tell us how it came about, how you, I'm sure... Maybe you just sat down one day and wrote the whole thing. I don't know, but I doubt it. Well, what happened was actually I've, I've been doing a talk uh, called 10 Things I've Learned About Living a Godly Life for uh, about 10 years now. I've been a you know, motivational speaker, as you mentioned, for many years. And all these these fun kind of quirky sayings that I grew up with, I, I realized when I came back to the church that they made a lot of sense. So I, I formulated them into a presentation and they were really well received. And my friend Kelly Walquist from Women in the New Evangelization uh, wine. It's a ministry in which I'm very involved. She said, you have got to put this in a book and you have to call it Everything's Coming Up Rosy. And so that's where the name came from. And then the subtitle is based, obviously, as I said, on the talk, but something that I've I've been working on. So the book was just an expansion of the thoughts I would bring out, but I, I really kind of dove into it more deeply to give people some meat at the end of each chapter. As you know, there's questions, reflection questions, there's scripture quotes, there's a quote from a saint because I don't want people just to pick it up and say, oh, that's a really nice story. I want them to think about how these very practical, sometimes funny sayings of my mom are really deeply theological. And she was, as I say, like another Mother Angelica combined with Sophia Petrillo of the Golden Girls <laughs> and then Mother Angelica from, from EWTN, if you can imagine that. And Marie Barone, of course, too, everybody loves Raymond. But just really practical stuff. And that you don't hear anymore, especially when it comes to families where so many people are afraid to say anything to their kids because they feel their kids will you know, have a mental breakdown or something if they tell them no. And we're, we're just not acting with common sense. And so I just think we need to get back to basics. And I think the book will help people do that. And if you're already doing it, which I'm sure many of your listeners already are, it's going to be an affirmation. It's going to be a reminder that I'm on the right track. Don't stray. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep planting those seeds. Ah, well, I have I have two daughters, 32 and 24. Uh, they both got married in 2021, and uh, got an instant return on my money as I now have two grandsons. Oh, congratulations! Uh, thank you, great. thank you so much. Um, but and we're both live here in the same, all three of us live in about 15 miles from each other. Actually, Marion's living with me presently, but, and we talk more than one time a day and they know me and they know, you know, there's been occasions where one will be ranting or whatever. And it's like, what do you think? And I don't want to hear that God stuff. And (laughs) I want something da 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 da, and I was like, "You're asking me to jump out of my own skin. You know how right. I'm going to answer. So why did you even ask me the question? Why did you even ask me that yeah. question? Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah. they're open to the conversation, even though it might be something they may not want to hear at the time. But it's all well, good. they may not want to hear it now. <laughs> yeah, but you're planting the seeds, and they will come back to it. Yeah, and that's well, what happens. And to me. interestingly, with them yeah. being new moms, their eyes are being opened to the world and to the things that they have tolerated or in the guise of being all inclusive, they realize Mm -hmm. what that, that comes with the price. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So um, do you have a favorite chapter of the book that you want to kick off? Or Well, I think probably favorite and the most important, I think, would be the first chapter. Because mm-hmm. the first chapter is offer it up to God and put it at the foot of the cross. Or as my mother would say in her Jersey accent, and I spell it out phonetically, <laughs> as you know, in the book, offer it up to God and put it at the foot of the cross. That is the most important thing that we can do is surrender to God, everything, surrender to him, and then surrender every day. After you make that initial surrender, you get up in the morning and and you surrender again and again and again, Mm -hmm. because it all starts there. If we're not willing to put God at the head of everything in our lives, then nothing else is is going to fall into place correctly or as as it should be. So that, I think, is is my favorite and also, I think, the most important chapter because it sets the tone for the rest of the book. But there's also, I think, another really fun one in there that I really like is if you want a pool, go fill up a garbage can. Because I was bugging my mother when I came home from, when I'd come home from grade school for summer vacation. And I love to swim and I love the beach and I always wanted a pool. And she, she got so fed up. I mean, she grew up in Jersey City with nine brothers and sisters. They were poor. They didn't have a pool. The fire department would come and open up the fire hydrant yeah. and they'd splash around in the street for 20 minutes, right? <laughs> so here she is thinking about all the toys I have in the garage and all the things I could do in a big backyard that I could play in. And she looked at me and she said, you want a pool? Go fill up a garbage can. You're not getting <laughs> the pool, so go do something else. In other words, make do with what you have. And as I said earlier, so many people are afraid to say no and to their kids, to whomever, because they feel that, oh, I, I should have everything. So we have to learn that not everything is going to go our way and that there are many times in life where we're just going to have to make the most of what we have. And that's how you learn. That's how you grow. So I, I really like that chapter as well. Yeah. That's just last week, my oldest daughter said, let's get it. We live out in the country. My dad was a cotton farmer. We have a rural um, mindset. And she said, let's get a big cow trough and we can use it as a, as a swimming pool. And I said, honey, the, the kids are so little right now. And she goes, but we're not. <laughs> uh, so uh, maybe I'll give her the uh, trash can mentality. But Better than a trash can. Though. It's a little bigger, right? <laughs> <laughs> Both of them can get in it. But uh, the offer it up, I really didn't get that from my mom uh, as often as my, my grandmother uh, my grandmother, who taught us how to play canasta and wanted to play mm-hmm. canasta at all times. And if you got tired of it, then she out came those rosary beads and said, OK, well, if we're not going to play cards, we'll pray the rosary. And we're like, mm-hmm. no, get the cards, shuffle up. But uh, that <clears throat> I, we just don't live in a culture that even introduces the idea that you're going to suffer in this life. Right, right. <laughs> and so that, and what, what I think is really sad is that we don't. It's the concept, as you just said, people don't accept it. And then when it comes, that's why they don't know what to do with it. They're like overwhelmed. They're, they're just, you know, that life hits them so hard. Whereas if you learn, and this really is Catholic theology, right? Mm-hmm. Redemptive suffering. When you're going through a hard time and everybody is going to suffer. I don't care if you're Catholic, if you're you know, Jewish, if you're Muslim, if you're evangelical, if you're an atheist, agnostic, every person that walks the planet, because we live in a fallen world, we're all going to suffer. But what do we do with that suffer, suffering when we come to it? We can either sit there and, and you know, um, shake our fist sky or just say, okay, God, you know, this really stinks. I don't like this, but what am I going to do with this? Can I help someone else through this suffering? How can I learn from it? How can I grow from it? So that's, that's the really, I think, important point that people need to know. And people don't talk about that anymore. And we see that in the results of so many surveys. 
that people do not know how to react to suffering. And the minute suffering comes, what do they want to do? They want to alleviate it. Not that the Catholic Church is teaching that you have to, you know, walk through life in, in constant pain or, or, or misery. The church has, has beautiful teachings on making sure that people who are suffering physically get the help they need as well as, as emotionally. But you can't take away every single pain and, and you can grow through that suffering. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are calling called to his purpose. And I can look at, back at my own life, as I say in the book, and the times when I grew were through the suffering. It wasn't when everything was coming up roses or rosy, right? Mm -hmm. It was those tough times that forced me to pick up my bootstraps and, and, and press on. So it's a really important concept that I go throughout the book in terms of what can we do when we hit hard times. Right. And I, uh, sometimes people don't think of their, their suffering to be used for the good. All things come to good for those who love the Lord. But right. Because early on, when uh, my husband has only been a deacon for a year, we were ordained. Oh, so on, you're a newbie. Okay. Yeah, on yeah. Uh, St. Joseph's Feast Day, March 19th, he was ordained. But so five years of formation and two or three years, we attended something once a month, uh, which opened this shocking revelation that sometimes married couples ride in the same vehicle and go to the same talk, which was not about our life at the time. We were always mm -hmm. in different things, but... Uh, a couple spoke of a particular thing that they went through, and she said, you know, why, Lord, why is this happening? And it was kind of revealed, well, someday in our ministry, we'll be able to relate better to someone else going through a similar suffering. Exactly. And, and our, uh, so we were ordained and were not assigned to our home parish. So that was a... Uh, we knew that that possibility was there, but it's here locally and not very far, new people there. But it was a suffering to extent that we were, you know, out of our element. And at, at right. my home parish of lifelong, you know, those Italians that we've talked about built this church. Right. And just Monday I was kind of relating it happened and I accepted it and I have a smile on my face and we're very happy. I'm not saying that, but it is a loss. And I, the one of the ladies that I was with said, you know, I never thought of it. I was just saying, oh, we're so happy that Keith and Judy are here. And I didn't think about it from your perspective. So mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. it is a little. But, but I think if we went through the same thing. We uh, Now we're, we're at our parish. Now my husband's been a deacon for, I just celebrated 10 years in October and we did not go to our home parish right away. In the Archdiocese of Detroit, where he serves, they want you to go to a different parish because they want you to experience and get kind of step outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And having him be in another parish for, and you'll probably find this because I bet you'll eventually end up back at your parish. But when you go back to your parish, you're going to have a lot of really good experiences and you're going to have met a lot of people. And you can bring those experiences as a deacon couple to back to your home parish. And this is what we find that we're doing. So it's, it's a great, that you know, the diaconate, that's a whole nother area. I didn't get into that too much in the book, but that's a really, really powerful ministry. And there's, there's a lot of suffering in that in terms of growth and meetings and trying to schedule everything, you know, all these classes, and then you've got your family things to do. So it's all about, you know, balance and understanding that God's got a purpose to it. But that's why I really think the book is, is really, I think, helpful. I was on the grill last week on the world over. And he said what he loved about it was the book was very practical. Mm -hmm. And 
I think our faith doesn't have to be complicated. I think we make it more complicated than it is. So that's why I really try to give people practical tips and suggestions and tons of resources in the back of the Rosie book as well. It is uh, well said because there are tons of resources. And I think that, um, oh, during during Lent, there was a little video on Facebook. It was a non-denominational preacher, but said, you know, surely we would have liked to have been there at the gates when that thief got <laughs> had his entrance to heaven interview and it was like oh um uh-huh. you know have you have you done this have you done that and he was like i no i just talked to a guy on the cross yesterday and he said it yeah. so i <laughs> yeah we uh we over intellectualize our i over into like this and that and when i mentioned my grandmother i don't even know if she could read you know i don't know if she uh certainly didn't even know what the catechism was or things like that. Right. And, but she had a beautiful faith, hope and trust in the Lord. And she knew, she knew right from wrong, right? She, she yeah. had that instinctive and family and, you know, La Familia. She had that understanding of what came first and how you prioritize. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, my mother's uh, father could read Italian, but he couldn't, he couldn't read English even after he immigrated here to the United States. And I never knew that. And I thought, Wow, how what a challenge it must have been for him trying to find work and not being able to read English, only being able to read Italian. Never having so he could in the eventual learn how to speak English, but never learned how to read. So again, you know, our generation and our parents' generation and our grandparents went through this this real, I think, um, persecution when they came here. They're the immigrants, many immigrants of different uh, nationalities and heritage, were dim- discriminated against, and they came to the United States. They came to start a new life. They came with nothing. They came from nothing, especially in the southern part of Italy, as you Mm -hmm. know, which is very, very poor. And yet they persevered and they made a good life for themselves. Right. And nowadays we have everything in our country. And so many people are just struggling with loneliness, with with other issues. You know, we're in a crisis. The, The Surgeon General just put out two reports two weeks ago, the report on loneliness, the epidemic. And then just two days ago, it's today, Wednesday, Monday, he put out the report on teens that teens are also in a mental health crisis because they're so addicted to media and especially social media. So that's why I think the book walks people through a lot of circumstances in life, a lot of what's happening in our culture and helps you kind of look at it, as I say, through rosy colored glasses, really practical glasses <laughs> to get through life and not just get through life, but to really make the most of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the spirit of the chapters that I read that, um, you know, bring about helping us understand that our faith, Jesus was a real person who walked this earth and our relationship with him, everything hinges from that. We were talking Mm -hmm. just about suffering or whatever. I was a youth minister for 20 years and you can, uh, the, the teachings of theology of the body, so beautiful, but you can't just bring all of that to the table on a Sunday when a teen has been raised in a minimal relationship with Jesus. It is just a bunch of rules. It is. Right. Then, right. you know, Moses <laughs> the, uh, barely set down the tablets and goes back up and here's the rules to follow. But without any love behind it. There they are making the golden calf. And we do it time and time and time and time again, no matter what it is. So uh, I loved how your book continually practically points us to a relationship with Jesus through the blessed mother. What what my mom did was she was very, uh, very outgoing. 
uh, very personable. Everybody loved her. Everybody in our parish knew her. Uh, my, my father, they were, they were just a very wonderful Italian-American couple. But what she did really, really well is the first year of our diaconate uh, course, the very, very first, and it was like, I think it was like the first session we were in, one of the, uh, the, the formation team members of the diaconate program said, you know what? The most important part of Christianity is showing up. And my mom did that well, especially with people around her. You, you show up and you witness by helping someone. As you said, look, I love theology of the body. I love John Paul II's, you know, papal letter to women, Emilieris Dignitatum. And I could, you know, quote some chapters of the catechism. I can quote a lot of scripture. I've been in Bible study for years and, and having gone through formation and education with my husband. But the bottom line is, as you just said, that's not going to resonate with someone who doesn't know the Lord or has been out of the faith or maybe has had a bad experience with the church. We just had another report that came out this week, which I'm sure you heard. I talked about it in the news on my program this morning on Catholic Connection. Now the numbers are saying less than a half of Americans are saying they believe in God. Mm -hmm. So how in the world are we going to expect to meet people where they're at if we don't start by just inviting them over for dinner? Maybe inviting them to mass, or maybe there's an advent, maybe there's a barbecue, or something that's you know kind of low hanging fruit. We can bring someone, and they won't feel like you're trying to um, proselytize or, or evangelize them on the spot. But just let them know that you're there for them, or say, "Hey, you want to go out to lunch? Can I come? Can I bring you dinner?" That is is I think what my mom did really really well, and I think we all have to do more of that if we're, if we're going to evangelize and witness to people. Oh, yeah. Uh, or. In the produce section, when you're reaching, <laughs> I we have a uh, our grocery stores here are called HEB, and uh, I jokingly say that I'm I'm on I'm on point when I'm in the produce section because I'm just kind of looking for the person the Lord has going to put next to me. <laughs> I've had so many wonderful conversations that tend to lean in on spirituality and things like that, but just being prepared for it. Just yeah, you know, yeah. looking, and looking just being for nice that. to people. Yeah. I mean, again, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Mm -mm. Just really being nice to people. I mean, how many people are, are so on edge and just rude? And I think with social media, even many Christians, you don't believe some of the emails I get from people who say they're Christians. I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's interesting. But I think because they feel that they can hide behind an email or hide behind a Facebook page, you know, with just their avatar or sometimes nothing making up a name that this is their way to vent to get out others, all their feelings. And then they feel justified, but they claim that they're Christian. And, you know, we, we're not supposed to be doing that as Christian people. We're supposed to be, you know, that old hymn, they shall know you are Christians by your love. Just be nice for crying out loud, <laughs> as my mother used to say, and keep smiling. Be nice. That's one of the chapters as well as keep smiling, which is the last chapter. Yeah. Yeah, really. Uh, I want to remind our listeners, uh, we still have about 20 minutes of uh, discussing Teresa Tomio's book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie. We would welcome a phone call. You can do that by calling 855-683-7332. Uh, if you're a friend of mine, I have my cell phone right here. You can text me and we can uh, carry on a little conversation about that. This um, Your chapter, uh, remember... I'll let you say it in your uh, Boston Italian. The Blessed Mother, Mother is watching you. <laughs> M-U-T-H-A. Remember, the Blessed Mother is watching you. Yeah, my, my grandmother would. Uh, say that to me before I went out on dates and before I went out to hang out with my yeah, friends. So imagine yeah. with the image of the Blessed Mother in your mind trying to do something that wasn't so right. Yeah, my grandmother would uh, 
if the conversation went where it shouldn't really be going, would say it. And I may not be saying it correctly, but in Italian, it was Bedda Madre, Holy Mother, mm-hmm. you know, and right. you knew full well you had crossed the line with that. But uh, mm-hmm. yes, and I, uh, when I was pregnant with my youngest daughter 24 years ago, I, I was old, I was 40 and had high blood pressure. So I had to spend seven weeks or so in bed or couch or whatever you wanted to call it. And because I live in my mother's home, she's been gone for 27 years, but it's still my mother's home. Mm. <laughs> mm. Particular drawers. If you're looking for something, we would say it's in the belt drawer because that's where she would yeah. keep the belt. But in the bedroom, she had this big wooden rosary that hung on the wall and um, lots of Marys and Marie's in my family. So I would kind of have this thoughtful uh, feeling of the presence and, and the Blessed Mother. And my daughter's name is Marion, um, mm-hmm. named after that. So um, knowing this relationship with the Blessed Mother that can be cultivated very easily if you just take the time to invite her to intercede. Show me your son. Show me your son. And I, I think, too, knowing that if we understand um, at least even a little bit of the theology behind it in terms of our, the Marian dogmas and, and, and who Our Lady is, she's a Theotokos. She's the God-bearer. She's the mother of, mother of God. And what happened on the cross? Jesus left her to us. He said to John, behold your mother, mother behold your son. And we're supposed to emulate the apostles and the saints. And so if Jesus is telling John, St. John to take Mary into our home. Hello, that's a little bit of a clue for us, right? That we're supposed to do the same thing. And I, I talk in the book, and I'm sure you read the part where one of the reasons I, I believe my mother was so close to the Blessed Mother is she really felt that the Blessed Mother was watching over all of us when we had a very severe uh, crisis in our family. When I was a child, that I was born on the East Coast in, in Jersey City, which is where the whole Eastern thing comes in for those who are listening. But our apartment exploded. And two people died. And we actually were technically homeless for a couple of months where we went from family relative to relative living while we were trying to figure out what the heck we were going to do. And my father brought my mother back this beautiful Hummel statue, white Hummel statue of Our Lady. And my mom just loved it and shed in a very prominent place in the apartment. And for whatever reason, that was not damaged. It was unscathed. And we were blessed that a lot of our belongings were okay. But but imagine a whole apartment exploding. You might be able to understand that, okay, a refrigerator because it's sturdy or a big dining table would, would survive, something like that. But a white Hummel statue, which was very delicate, survived. Mm-hmm. And my mom brought it to Michigan. And then before she died, she gave it to me. So it's in my imperial cabinet. At oh, sweet. And that's sweet. So, but, but she always felt that Mary was watching over us. And that's why I think that, and I also think, you know, a little bit of Italian Catholic guilt didn't hurt either. Remember the blessed mother's <laughs> watching you. I think sometimes that the Italian Catholic guilt or Irish Catholic guilt, you know, Polish Catholic guilt, I think it gets a, a bad reputation, uh, too much knocking, because we're not talking about the guilt where you are, you know, pouring it on people and where they don't feel forgiven. They go to confession and they're stuck in a place. It's not what we're talking about. That's not what our parents were talking about. Our parents are trying to give us a little nut, you know, hey, pay attention because there's consequences to what you do out there. And the blessed mother isn't going to be happy. Neither is the Lord and neither is is your, is your earthly mother here. So there was just a little nudge, I think, to remind us of the importance that our blessed mother is watching us and she wants to help. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Not yes. like you said, not the uh, the negativity of it. So um, your uh, chapter on go ride your bike 
really resounded with my childhood because, uh, like I said, my dad was a cotton farmer, and it, he would get up and leave, and it was just us and my mom in this house, and you know, go outside, go outside, and uh, that what a welcome that was uh, to be able to. Yeah, I think for me, again, it was about not being bored because my mother growing up in a large, uh, poor Italian-American family uh, in the inner city on the East Coast, they didn't have bikes. They, <laughs> if they had a bike, it was, they borrowed it from the neighbor or they got it from, you know, the local, I don't know, local uh, five and dime or whatever. And, you know, here I was, I had a brand new bike and we weren't rich, as I say in the book, I grew up in a middle-class family, but we had nice things and I had toys, more toys than I needed. And every few years, I'd get a new bike because I love to ride my bike. And it would sit there in the garage while I'd be complaining to my mother two days after I got home from you know, school for summer vacation that I was bored. She'd say, go ride your bike. No. And again, really understanding how blessed we are. That's mm-hmm. what she was trying to tell me. And that's what this chapter is about. We have so many things in this country. This country is so advanced, right? The United States of America. God's blessed this country with so much. And yet, why are so many people you know, distraught. Why are so many people empty? But they're not really looking at life like the glass is half full versus half empty. And they're not taking advantage of the gifts that they have, whether it be their own family, whether it be nice things that they could use. They're not getting involved and not helping other people. The chapter is also about not getting bored. You know, keep yourself busy, do things, be active, be involved and step outside of yourself. Yeah. Oh, my girls. <laughs> If if they would ever say that they're bored, I would go grab a can of Indust and say, "Here you go." <laughs> <laughs> There's never a loss it in this. It was a vacuum cleaner, or as my grandmother used to say, "The Wakuma." Here's the here's the Wakuma. Go, go speak, right? Oh my goodness! The uh, our family always totally off topic, but Italian as well. Always would hear the the bathroom called the Bacazzo. I don't know. Yes, we said the same thing. <laughs> well, do you know what? It's not a word. It means the back of the house. Right. Back out. Right. <laughs> that's where and that's the rest- how they said it. It's just an Italian thing. <laughs> I totally get it. Back of house. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. We'll tell you about it later, folks. Yeah. Come yeah. to the diaconate. They can sit down with me and Judy. We'll tell you all this. In but, San Antonio. Really looking forward yes, to excited. it. Yes, uh, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Um, we have about 10 minutes, uh, Teresa. Is there, I want to give you free reign to jump in the book anywhere that you want to, uh, something that we haven't covered, but certainly love how I, you. I, I, think, the- um, I, I think really, I just hope people get the book. It, it's, you know, Catholic authors, it's not about money. We don't make a lot of money on the books. We have to buy our books and then we sell them. But, but you know, it's, I just want people to have the book because it's just, First of all, it's it's very uplifting. It's really fun. Uh, and the stories will make you laugh and they'll make you, make you relate to your own mom. I've had so many people write me who are not Italian who say, oh, my gosh, that was my mother. That was, you know, my aunt. It, we can all relate to people in our family that maybe if less enough to still have them. Mm-hmm. But if they're gone, like my mom died three years ago uh, on March mm-hmm. 19th. They are, oh. A husband was ordained at Feast of St. Joseph. And I still hear her voice in my head every single day. So it's it's really nice for people to remember uh, growing up. And the other thing I think it really, it's really helpful with, because there might be people out there who did not have um, a good relationship with their parents. And, and you have to remember that, first of all, I say in the book, my mother and I did not have a Hallmark mother-daughter relationship where they come out and want to make a Hallmark movie about our relationship. As a matter of fact, you know, we're both 100% Italian, we the Testadora going on back and forth. And, and we didn't agree on everything. And we had some struggles. And, and at time, those struggles even led to 
okay, we have to maybe just cool it for a little while and, and then we always come back and, and, and heal. But what I've really discovered is that, and I heard this, this is just a couple of weeks ago, I did an interview, I don't know if you heard about my radio show with uh, Emilio Estevez and the movie that he produced with his father, The mm, Way, the way. which was reintroduced last, I think it was last week yeah, on the 16th. I'm interesting that that's making, a, making its way again. Yeah, it's a really, really good movie. Yeah, it's amazing. And he said, you know, the character, his father's character, Martin Sheen's character, did not want to hang out with the people uh, in the, who were walking the St. James way with him. He thought they were a real pain. By the end of the journey, he realized that those people were there to help him grow. Mm-hmm. And Amelia said, sometimes the people with whom, you know, we don't get along always, or they kind of rub us the wrong way. Those are the ones that are going to really help us shape who we are. And that really hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized now that my mom and I, um, you know, we'll go at it as daughters and moms often do or we'd have an issue, you know, I, sometimes it would be very frustrating, but at the end of the day, it's like she would make me grow and she would make me look at myself more deeply. So I, I appreciate that now. And, and I also think just having this book as something you could pick up, you could read one chapter, put it down, read another chapter. You don't have to read it all the way through, but I really hope that that people get it as a book club book yeah. and do a study on it. I've, because I've, you can sit down, you know, and you can and you can read the questions, go over the scripture verses, and 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 really have that company with other people sharing their own stories. Yeah, I, I really love that about the book, and I will assure you, I I'm a part of a Bible study. I've been doing it for thirty three years, and I wow. was intimidated by my dad's first cousin, who I thought would be my second cousin, but she says we were first cousins once removed, but she was the matriarch of this Bible study. And when I moved back here, she was like, oh, you need to come to Bible study. You don't have a job. You you, you have free time. You should come to it. And to get her off my back, I finally just said, okay, I'll go to this Bible study and praise God. Uh, so thank you, Lena, up there in heaven. Wow. Uh, so 33 years you've been in that Bible study. Yes. And we've... Uh, wow. And... and we have we exploded in numbers during COVID when we were utilizing Zoom. Shockingly, and we're all, I'm the youngest one in the class and I'm 65. Uh, we do, uh, Caitlin joined and she's a delightful 28 year old. But um, over the summer, we don't follow a particular Bible study. And so we will be doing this in July, part of your book. Yeah, this is a fun yeah. book. It, it, it makes it, it lends itself to that beautifully. And the other thing that we're telling people to do, Judy, is to do a wine and cheese party, right? Because, you know, the cover of the book is so Italian with a glass of wine mm. and cheese and um, images I'm of Italy. salivating just a little bit now. Yeah. <laughs> with a... So go get a good bottle of Italian wine, maybe a nice Montefalco Rosso, or maybe, you know, let's see, maybe a nice... Uh, uh, white wine from uh, Orvieto, mm. the Classico Superiore. Grab some cheese and some bread, and bring the ladies over and have a nice, you know, just do a a, a real fun study with it. And, you know, a, a book club night. Just get together and, and share stories and laugh. And it's it's designed to do that. It's designed to 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 encourage community. So I'm really excited about it. I'm really, I really am. And I'm doing actually. You know, we're spending some time in Italy right now, and I'm going around doing some videos. I'm saying I'm roaming around Italy with Rosie and, and showing the book. This guy's like, where is Waldo? You know, I'm holding up the book in yeah. various places. So make sure to check out my Facebook page and also stay tuned to um, the Catholic Connection to find out where I'm going to be next. And one more thing I would like to mention is uh, for listeners, if, it, if you've never been to Italy or if you want to go back, Deacon Dom and I are hosting our second annual 
La Dolce Fide, the sweet life of faith in November. And we're coming to our Ooh. favorite area, Maria. So Orvieto, Assisi, we're also going to Greccio, where uh, St. Francis established the first crash. We're going to Viterbo, which is the uh, city of the popes and the first papal conclave. We're going to Rome, having wine tastings and great meals. Mm -hmm. And we have a wonderful priest from Michigan will be our spiritual director. We have a sale going on that expires on Wednesday, $75 off per person. Uh, so please, you can go to my website, TeresaTomio.com under events or shoot me an email. Love to have you join us. We have about 10 spots left. Oh, this is an extreme temptation because as I said, I went four years ago. Yeah. My cousin and her daughter, me and my two daughters and another friend, Kathy Court, shout out. She's our administrator here at the radio, and she was just texting me saying she would rather be riding her bike right now. Uh, <laughs> but so the temptation to go back to Italy is there, but yeah. I can't go to Italy until I go to the Holy Land. So I've got to Oh, get... you got to go to the Holy Land. Okay. Every Catholic has to go to the Holy Land and to Italy because the Holy Land is just... Oh, I've been there. I've had the privilege of leading tours with Steve Ray. So it's just off the charts. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I even found, you'll like this as an Italian <laughs> sister. I found Italian restaurants in Jerusalem. I found the Italian Jewish section. There's a whole area of Italian Jewish people, wonderful people who have Italian restaurants. Oh, right wow. around the corner from the so, Oh, yeah. cool. So yeah. if, if I give in to temptation and join your uh, trip, can we go to San Giovanni Rotunda? I, I really want to go um, see Padre Pio. We could. Pio. That's not on the list because <laughs> it's about five hours south, but we could go after this. What I tell people, it's actually a great suggestion because we're going to be concentrating in central Italy. But if people come in a few days early or if they want to stay after, well, Dominic and I would be happy to help them to, to go to San Giovanni Rotunda and see Padre Pio. But you also, if you're going to go that far south, you're in Puglia, Apulia. You have to go a little further south and see Lecce, the Florence of the South, or, you know, see Matera, which is actually technically in Basilicata, but it's one of the oldest cities in the world where the Passion of the Christ was shot. Mm -hmm. So you need to see some of the other beauty in that area as well. But let's talk. As let's Rosie do it. Say, let's do it. It looks yeah. like you're in a nice little place right there. You have an extra bedroom. I could just come stay, yeah, stay with sure. you. Sure. <laughs> come on over. We'll make, we'll make macaroni. Very good. Let's talk about the last chapter, Keep Smiling. Uh, I've been yeah. smiling the whole time that we're uh, talking, but um, I think it'd be a good time to spend the last couple of minutes of our interview talking about that chapter in particular. Sure. Well, my mom signed all of her cards, Christmas, birthday, anniversary, you know, whatever someone was celebrating, keep smiling. That was just her mantra. That was, you know, who she was. And it was so funny. Uh, before we left for Italy, we went, you know, did our doctor's appointments and everything. And I went to the dentist and our high, dental hygienist, adorable. Her name is Donna, a beautiful Catholic sister in the Lord. She also took care of my mom and was her dental hygienist. And she went on and on about my mom and how Rosie was always smiling. And she had such a beautiful smile. And everybody that I bump into, even though she's been gone for three years now, I loved your mom. She was always smiling. And so she had a beautiful smile, as you can see from the cover of the book. But it was about really the whole idea about keep smiling. You, know, you start at the beginning, as we mentioned, with offer it up to God, and put it at the foot of the cross, and you end with keep smiling. Because she taught us that no matter what, never let them steal joy yes that you always have joy we always have god we always have our faith and she kept smiling despite the fact that my sister died seven years ago of cancer despite the fact that she lost her she called my father her boyfriend they were so in love you know married for decades and just deeply in love and i thought i said to my husband i said to dominic i said oh that's it when daddy dies you know mom's gonna just go right 
you know, after him. Nope. She lasts another 10 years. And when my sister died, her oldest child, I said, oh my gosh, oh, that she's not going to survive. She lasted another four years after mm-hmm. that. And obviously her heart was broken losing a child, sure. but she still kept smiling. She was still very joyous. And the last two years of her life was spent in a beautiful assisted living apartment. And she became like, you know, the social butterfly of the place. Everybody loved her because she was always smiling. Mm. And so just that idea of joy, the joy of the Lord, if we are not, not saying that we're not going to go through suffering, sure. or struggles or problems, but if we allow ourselves to be blown back and forth and always reacting to the circumstances, then we don't have that peace or that joy that scripture tells us surpasses all understanding. So that's the other thing I learned from my mom to keep smiling. Yeah. Keep smiling. Again, Even when you don't want to. Because smiling is actually better for your skin. <laughs> it keeps you young. Yes, indeed. Well, I mean, again, like you say, we're going to have those hardships, but we've got to have the joy of the Lord as our strength. Uh, really, thank you for. And thank the technology that all this uh, worked, that we were able to have this on, on such a short notice. Uh, really appreciate you being available. Going to take the last uh, minute to tell our listeners how to find out more about you how to, or the pilgrimage or w- whatever you would like sure. to make sure they know to how to how to find out. Yeah, thank you so much for that. It's really easy. Just go to TeresaTomeo.com. That's uh, Teresa without an H, T-E-R-E-S-A-T-O-M-E-O.com. And you can find the book there. And just Or you can just go to TeresaTomeo.com slash Rosie book. And Sophia Press is still offering a discount on the book, so you can save a little money. And then also my event section has all the details on my speaking events, including the diaconate retreat that we're doing in San Antonio that's coming up in July. We're really looking forward to that. Love Texas. Great people in Texas. So all the information is there. Uh, again, TeresaTomio.com slash Rosie book. If you're interested in the pilgrimage, just go to the event section and think about joining us in Italy or think about getting the book. I, I hope uh, I hope you do both. I will. Thank you so much and have thank a great you. day. God bless you. Thank you Ciao. to all of our listeners. Ciao. Ciao. Talking, I'm alive again. No more outside. Look at it. Since you woke.